0: You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red. Uh, So many times I've started this show saying another special day at the City ground in the last year as Nottingham Forest beat Team X. This Saturday was a cool reminder that football doesn't always work that way as Forest lost 3-2 at home to Bournemouth after being 2-0 up at half time to spark, well... A total meltdown among the fan base, basically, as far as I could tell on the week at the weekend. So we'll discuss the game, we'll discuss that, and we'll look ahead to Leeds away in the upcoming match next Monday night. And to do that, we're joined first of all by Reds fan and broadcaster Darren Fletcher. Fletcher, welcome back. How are you? Very
1: good. Trying to feel positive this morning. Going to give positivity, if I possibly can, for the next 45 minutes or so and try and get one or two people back in the room.
0: Good, good. Well, a man who's always positive is Greg Mitchell. Greg, good morning. How are you?
2: Good, yeah. Kept off social media for most of the weekend, so uh, clear mind and uh, ready to go.
0: Good. Well, I'll come to you first then, because I know, Fletch, you were at the Merseyside Derby, so you weren't in the ground on Saturday. Greg, you were, as usual. What was it like? Did it get toxic or was it not so bad as the game unfolded?
2: It was rough. It was really weird. I don't know. If, I hate to say this, but it was like some people were waiting for this. We haven't had that for a year. We haven't had it since Stoke Away. And, you know, back then it was deserved. Everyone was ready for, for something different to happen. But, you know, <laughs> the performances at home, we beat West Ham. We, we put in such a shift against Spurs. That is going to happen in this league. It might happen. Players will make mistakes. We're not going to win every game like we did last season. You know, there was, a lad walked out after 30 minutes. It was still nil-nil. You could just tell something was different. So, yeah, I mean, I know we're going to talk about it a lot. So it was disappointing on the pitch and it was obviously disappointing and not very nice to be in the stands either.
0: So, Fletch, I was talking before and I wrote this piece as well at the weekend about how, you said it as well, Forest could quite easily be sat... For me, they should be on seven points. They could be on five, they could be on nine. But they, you know, it's not as bad as it looks to me, it was so much has swung this pendulum from one side of the scale to the other based on really one half of football to me. I mean, how are you seeing the picture after six games now?
1: I I get it. I understand it because this is being a football supporter in general. This is not a forest thing. This is a football thing and people care about it so much that it impacts their life and their week so much that that's the passion that you get. I think the the thing is that most forest fans I spoke to, in fact, every Forest fan I spoke to before the season, I asked them all the same question: if it doesn't go the way you hope, will you be able to just enjoy it for what it is and have a season in the top flight and support the team as well as you did when they were flying at the back end of last season? And everybody said to me, Yes absolutely now if people are turning at this stage of the season then I I can't comprehend that I mean you've just got to look at the facts of the situation this team finished third in the championship last season behind Bournemouth and behind Fulham and it took a Herculean run at the end of the year to get them in ownership recruitment manager have then decided over the course of the summer that they were going to sign 21 players and Had they been able to sign more, they would have signed more. Now, that's their decision. So from an ownership perspective, you then need patience with the manager while he puts the team together, which is very, very difficult to do. And I think this week is going to be vital to him because they don't play until Leeds a week today. So that gives him valuable training pitch time. He can sit with his players. He can start to get to know the new ones and he can start to think about how he wants his team to look. I also think, though, that there has to be the realisation that to mould that team together properly and know what your best eleven is, at this stage of the season, with all of those signings, would be impossible. And if you gave Pep Guardiola the task that Steve Cooper has, he'd find it difficult too. So there has to be an understanding here of what the situation is. And I think there needs to be patience from the supporters, patience from ownership, Everybody needs to just take a breath and step back. And I'd I'd say again, I think that Forest have the best group of supporters in the country. What this group have had to put up with for a club of this size for as long as they've done it, is remarkable that so many of them are still there. So that's the caveat. But I would also say that people who are booing the team at this stage of the season, or as you say, Greg, walking out after half an hour, I mean, come on. I mean, that is just not helping. This is a pressurised situation for the players anyway. Pressurised situation for the manager. And these Forest fans this season, the whole fan base, have such an important role to play, probably more than any other team in the Premier League. This group and this manager need these supporters more than they've ever needed them this season. Because I was at Leicester on Monday, on Monday Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday. Thursday I lost track of time. Too many games already. Thursday. It was, it was, it was so quiet. And that transmitted itself to the players. The players couldn't lift the fans. The fans couldn't lift the players. And it was very flat. Now, the King Power Stadium has always been noisy and colourful, and and it's helped the Leicester team. They fed off it. It was flat. If Forest are going to make a mark this season, this is going to be a three-way thing. It's going to be manager, players, supporters. They're going to pick up the points at home, and they need the fan base behind them. And, And I would just say to everybody this morning, look, I know everybody's disappointed after Saturday, but nobody's more disappointed than the manager and the player. And they're going to try and put that right. But they need you. They need the supporters. The fans are going to stay with them. They've got to stay with them at this early stage of the season, for crying out loud. I mean, they've hardly got started. And I said to you before we came on, and I'll finish after this, I know Greg wants to come in. They've got four points and people are panicking. There are teams around them, established Premier League sides at the moment, with four points as well at this stage. And bar switching off the Pickford's long ball at Everton and managing the game situation better on Saturday. They could be potentially sat there with nine points, even with 21 players to integrate into the squad. So you can make a more positive case for the situation. I understand the manner of Saturday's defeat will affect a lot of people because they didn't see it coming. And everybody had kind of said, Oh, Bournemouth, these are no good, we'll beat these and fine. And you get a shot when it doesn't happen. But you kind of deal with reality and and, and step back a little bit and take a look at it you can actually look at this from a different side but the fans have to support the team and i know that 85 percent of them will but it's that minority at the weekend that wants to make the who have to just realize how important their role is this season i think
0: great before you come back on that and please do i want to just add to it a little bit around perception of players Again, it's always the minority and you can't do too much on social media, but there seems to me to be a perception now that the four players remaining who helped get Forrest up, or five, I should say, are now part of the problem. And every player who's not in the team, apart from Jack Colback, and we'll come on to that, or who was on the bench on Saturday, should be in the team. So, you know, Brennan Johnson now to some is suddenly lazy and useless. Ryan Yates is useless again. The back three aren't up to it. And, you know, people might be right about some of that, but to me... Six games is way too soon to judge.
2: I'm going to say, do you agree with me? I, I'm probably going to get slated again now because I, I do and that's fine. Last year, Yates, Warrell, not so much Johnson because we always knew he had it. They proved a lot of fans wrong for the entire year. And it felt like after Saturday, yeah, they, they didn't have the best games. They, I don't think they were necessarily the worst on the pitch, but the, there's a minority of fans who were waiting for that moment, and bloody hell, did they take it? God, some of the the vital, some of the stuff you read online, it's just, you think what what is going on here? Like I say, we've had a year of unbelievable football, the best year in most of our lives watching Forest, to be let down by one game, and the manager saying it. You know, it starts with him. We know the words he said after the game, and fair play to him. You've got to give them that. You can't you can't take the Man City game. That's just a ridiculous best team in the world, best player in the world beat us fair and square. Myself included. At half time, I went down 2-0 up, talking to my mate, he'd got a bet on 5-0, talking about, oh, that's probably gonna come in. A Little bit late coming up after second half, because it was it was comfortable. We weren't playing well, but we were much better than them. Suddenly the momentum changes. They score a goal just like the Sheffield United team did in the playoffs unlike Sheffield United we're still a bit quiet and you know it's it's only Bournemouth it's probably the less the most less appealing game this season and we've got to learn from that the players certainly have to learn from that they've got to get us up they weren't they didn't seem to be much going on in the pitch trying to g people up and obviously Cooper has I think we've all got to look back at that game and say right that that was the the uh, mistake we needed to kick-start the season again. We've, we've got a point away from home. We've got points at home already. It's a hell of a lot better than the start of last season. Uh, we're only in the bottom three because of the goal difference against Man City. A lot of teams are going to lose 5 6 nil to Man City. So, I mean, the bench, the unused subs, the players coming back from injuries, there's so many positives to come. It just didn't work on Saturday. The selection might have been wrong. The subs might have been wrong. The crowd wasn't great, but it didn't work. But, God, it's not the end of the world. We are going to get a lot better than that. I think the
1: Mm. thing is, though, Greg, just just kind of picking up the last thing you said there, the selection might be wrong, the subs might be wrong. How would anybody in there at the minute know what the right selection looks like when you're trying to get 21 players to work out Mm. what the best 11 is, the best formation for them to play, the best way to approach in-game situations with those players? That takes time. And you're trying to do it in the most difficult division. Somebody said to me at the weekend, well, he worked it out quickly enough in the championship. Yeah, but the standard, the the, the rising standard between trying to work it out in the championship and working it out on the fly in the Premier League is is like climbing a small hill compared to climbing a mountain. It's just Mm. completely different. Um, So I think all that has to be taken into account. And when people start to say, well, the manager should be doing this and the manager should be doing that, supporters get to see the team 90 minutes a week, and the guy that picks the team—if he's competent at what he does—and I think we all agree that Steve Cooper is way more than competent—he sees those people five, six, seven days a week, gets to know them as individuals, knows what's happening in the personal life, knows the way that he wants the team to play, knows what individual talents he needs from individual people to make his system and game plan work. Can we kind of base our judgment based on half an hour, forty-five minutes? 90 minutes, and he's got to look at 21 players over the course of five, six days on a training pitch and then work out what the best team is. I also would expect in his own mind, and this tends to happen for a newly promoted team, he's still working out which players he thinks can play in the Premier League and which can't. And of the Mm -hmm. 21 players that have come in and the players who were there, some will be better than people anticipate and some will be worse than people anticipate. It's just the nature of the job. So he's now got to work out based on performance on the field and also on the training ground, which players he thinks can play consistently in the Premier League. And he doesn't really know yet because the sample size is so small. And as you say, one of the tests was against Manchester City who were going to roll a lot of teams. Another test was against Tottenham who are probably going to finish in the top four. So there's two really difficult matches. So he's not really had, I don't think yet, anywhere near enough time to work out what it looks like, who he can rely on, who he can't. And I just think there's got to be patience. You can't expect this team to just roll out there, the first game after the transfer window, and look like Manchester City. Or, Mm. if we're being realistic, look like last season's team did. It's just going to take time. There's no way you can fast track what they've done. Now, as a club, they've taken that decision. So the hierarchy have to respect that. They've given this manager a ridiculously difficult task. They've said to him, we're going to give you 21 new players because that's what we want to do. When you do that, you've then got to give him the time and the ability to work it out. So there has to be patience. People were saying at the start of the season, oh, we're not going to see the best Forest team for two or three months. What have people forgotten about that? You know, all of a sudden, that's gone now. You know, let's not, oh, It should be great now. And I get that you've got a game manager situation better against Bournemouth. I get that. Everybody knows that. The manager knows that. The players know that. You can't blow a 2 0 lead at home against Bournemouth. I get it. The reality is, for this to be right and, and for this to be settled, and everybody kind of knows what they're going to do, and everybody kind of knows what we can expect. That's going to take games. It's going to take training pitch time. It's going to take matches. You just can't put together a group of players from all over Europe, all over the world in in 24 hours and expect it to look like a, a unit. Now on the back of that, look, there are individual errors and there are errors in the performances that have to stop. And if they don't stop, they're going to keep losing games. They're costing themselves points. They're not having points. You've got a Man City and Man City win the points. But they cost themselves two points at Everton. And they cost themselves three points on Saturday. And you've got to stop that. But they've learned a harsh lesson there, I would expect. Because they'll look at the league table and go, look where we could have been. Look where we are. We've got to cut that out. But I think in terms of people having this massive opinion on what the eleven should be, I don't think the manager really knows what that is yet. Yeah. He's spending more time with, with, with them than anybody else. And if people have faith in Steve, like they did last season, then people have got to keep the faith that in the not-too-distant future, he's going to work it out, the team are going to settle, and you will see a better Nottingham Forest team because the talent's there. They've brought good players. They they are good players, but they're all different. You know, If if you've got one fan who says, I think they should pick Remo Freuler, and then you've got another fan that says they should pick Cech Kiate, and another one who says, well, I think they should pick Lewis O'Brien, they're three different players. So what do you want your team to do? Because you, what your team does will dictate the individual that you put in your side. So if you want energy, you're going to look at O'Brien and Yates. If you want somebody to keep the ball, you're going to look at Froiler. So they've got different players who can do different jobs. So that's got to work itself out. He's got to work out, Steve, exactly what he wants the team to look like. And then he can put the pieces in place. But that's just going to take a little bit of time.
0: So how he manage that then, Fletch? Because you've got, you know, you mentioned Remo Freuler, Emmanuel Dennis, they sat on the bench thinking, hang on a minute, I wanted to start. You've got fans who, like you say, think Lewis O'Brien's been great and he has and he should be in the team. You've got an owner who spent a lot of money on a lot of players and will have his opinion as well, thinking, you know, well, I think Remo Freuler should be playing, et cetera, et cetera. How's Steve Cooper sure going to, to manage that? I think
1: Remo should be playing as well, if we're just going to add to the list of people who think this should be it. But the reality is there's a lot of Man United supporters at the minute who think Casemiro should be starting over Scott McTominay. And they've just won three on the trot with Casemiro on the bench and Scott McTominay in the midfield. So the manager's deciding that's what he wants to do. These people know more than we do, whether we like to admit that or not. They know more than we do. And I think this week is going to be essential because I'm sure Steve can have that group on the training pitch as much as he can through the course of the week, and he's going to try different scenarios. He'll he'll be a- applying different challenges and asking for different things to be shown by the players. And at that stage, he can go away with his analytic staff, the rest of his coaching staff, and they can start to work out what the best Forest team looks like. And mm-hmm. that is just going to take time. I mean, look, I've seen Freuler in the Champions League, and I've seen him dominate a Liverpool midfielder at Anfield. So straight away, you go, well, how come he can't get into this side then? But then you have to take into account what the manager wants individual players to do. And and he's the only one that knows the answer. And he then lives or dies by that decision, doesn't he? That's, mm. that's why he gets paid where he gets paid. And he'll ultimately pay the price if he doesn't get it right. But I think the indications are England are the 17s, MK Don, Swansea, Forest. He tends to win more of these situations than he loses. He seems a pretty good coach to me seems to have a fair grip and grasp of of how to set a team up and what to do with them. And I think eventually he will, and then you'll see a better Forest team. So it's just time, Matt. You've, You've just got to work with the players. You've got to work out what they're good at. You've got to work out how it works for you. I mean, I see the situation at the minute, and this is a big discussion point with fans. When he plays the three, essentially with a false nine at the top, and you've got Johnson, Gibbs-White, Lingard. It's an entirely different-looking team when you play Taiwo Awani because, as a striker, he makes natural strikers' runs. You can play into him, as they did with Keenan Davis last season. So I think one of the bigger decisions he's got to make is what he does in in the forward areas, whether he wants to play with a striker who he might not think is quite ready to play Regular Premier League football, but if he doesn't play him, the entire rest of the team is different. And to me, that that's the biggest decision he's going to make: whether he starts playing with a central striker or whether he sticks with the three. Because I think at the other end, any potential change to his back three is limited by the fact that N'Kate is out because he's the one they've brought in that's got pace. There's not a great deal of speed at the back, so without Kate you are kind of limited what you can do. You can maybe change personnel a little bit, maybe play Kiyate back there. You could obviously put Willy Bolly in. I don't know about Loic Ballet, I've not seen him play, so I couldn't help you. Or you can change that in terms of personnel, but you're not going to get a great deal of difference out that unit. You're going to play with wing-backs and they kind of pick themselves. The midfield's an interesting mix because he's got all different types. But I think it's at the top end of the pitch. That, that's where he's got a decision to make, whether he... Whether he sticks with the three that he's got now and Brennan Johnson plays more of a number nine role, or whether he decides that he's going to take his knocks with Tywell Awanee as he gets used to playing in the Premier League, higher standard of football to see whether he can do it. But you have got that out and out forward who gives you a different element to your team.
0: Yeah, I mean, on Friday, Gary is obviously a big proponent of play a striker. You know, he
2: wants to see that man. What do you think, Greg? Well, we had almost thirty thirty million pounds worth of strikers on the bench. That's what I'm talking about. Hope our bench unused: Biakana, Brian, Froyle, Toff. The two that came on, Dennis and Tyway, they obviously haven't had time yet. Just as Fletcher was saying, and that'll come. Uh, we've got the injuries coming back, and it, what I looked at this morning: Mangala, Nia, Carti, and Richards, all rumored could be back end of September or earlier. There's so much hope in this squad. So much for Cooper to choose from and think about. It is going to be hard, and I'm sure if the like the false nine thing doesn't work. Although I did see a few like good things on Saturday. Johnson's running onto these through balls and getting very close. You know that is exciting to see, and that's how teams like Man United were breaking at the weekend and scoring the goals. So this <laughs> this squad is is a, a squad ready to be good. It's not going to win the amount of games we won next season, but it is going to improve and it's going to get better and there's so much there to be to be excited about it just didn't happen on Saturday
1: well I I think I think as well Greg when people talk about Emmanuel Dennis when Emmanuel Dennis first came to England and he signed for Watford he'd been playing as a a winger essentially for Bruges in the Champions League and he had a fantastic night at the Bernabeu against Real Madrid He, he was brilliant um But he wants to play wide. He doesn't want to play through the middle, Dennis. So he's not a striker per se. He's going to play wide. So that needs to be a team set up in a certain way to suit him. You're not all of a sudden going to play Emmanuel Dennis through the middle and expect him to be the best version of Emmanuel Dennis. So there is another challenge because if you want to play him, you've got to leave somebody out. You've got to leave Jesse out or you've got to leave Brennan out. And I also think, too, that we focus a lot as supporters on what the team does with the ball. So we've got an idea of which player we want to see on the ball, who we want to see conducting things in central midfield and all that. Forest are going to stay up this season. What they do without the ball is as big a consideration. So that's something as well that the manager will be taking into account. Energy levels, the ability to press. What are you going to do when they've not got the ball? Now, some players might be better at that than other ones. So you might have a player that's better when he's got the ball at his feet, but he's a bit of a liability when you lose possession. And if you're a team that's just got into the Premier League, you're going to play a lot of games where you don't dominate possession. In fact, you're not going to see the ball a great deal at all. So then you need a certain type of player to make sure you you, you stay in the game when you've not got the ball. So he's also going to be analysing that, that he's going to know they're going to spend a lot of time in games without the ball. And he's going to want the right kind of players on to be able to deal with that situation. So it's not always the one that looks best on the eye that you're going to stick in the side. It's one that's going to give you that blend of he's useful when we've got the ball. But when we haven't got it, he's going to limit the damage and limit the danger. So that's also something that he's got to work out. Because Forrest were brilliant at that last year. Played with a lot of energy, pressed from the front, didn't let teams settle down. You didn't really get a great deal of time on the ball. They've got to find that way to play like that in the Premier League too. So playing without the ball is going to be as big a consideration as what they do with it, I think.
0: There's uh, well over 100 comments already, so I can't read them all, but I just scroll down to the bottom, and the first one I saw was, Brendan can't play, he's lazy. And it seems to be this growing sentiment. And to me, obviously, I don't think he's lazy at all, but even in the Championship, he wasn't someone who you know had the most touches in the game. He's someone who you get the ball to, and he'll deliver. You see all these crosses going through the six-yard box, and there's just no one on the end of them. All I'd say, though, is, look, that
1: person's entitled to, to that opinion. That's fine. We might not agree with it, but that that to that individual who watches the club is what they think. And that's fine. And people are entitled to that opinion. The problem comes when you get a section this early in the season, booing the players at home. I mean, that's, that's the ridiculous thing. We can all sit and debate it over a cup of tea or a pint and we can agree to disagree. And I don't mind people having that opinion. That's fine. And forest supporters, they, they buy the shirts, they pay their money. Who am I to tell them not to do that? I wouldn't, wouldn't be disrespectful like that. But, when they're all together in the in the same room as they are on Saturday, you kind of got to forget that, and you've got to give everything you have to the players, and that will help them achieve what we all ultimately want them to achieve, which is to be a Premier League club next season as well. But it is that balance between Brennan Johnson's lazy and Ryan Yates isn't good enough. I mean, yet yeah, Ryan's got all the energy in the world, but that's not enough for some supporters, is it? Now Brennan's got the ability to win a match for you. But the fact he's not running around like his trousers are on fire, that annoys people. So it's that balance between what do you want, apples or oranges? Because there are lots of players that play Brennan Johnson's position that would play Brennan Johnson's position just like he does in the Premier League. And the perception at that club would be different to the perception at this one. So, mm. you know, I, I, things like that I don't really buy because well, I've got absolute faith. Steve Cooper and his coaching staff aren't stupid. So they know what they've asked him to do. They know what his numbers look like because everything's tracked. They all wear GPS. So he will know if Brennan Johnson's lazy. And if he is, he won't play. Mm -hmm. Because the manager is not going to say, well, I'll play him anyway then, knowing full well that he's not doing what he wants him to do. So if that is the case, that decision will be taken. And it will be taken quickly because there are players who can play in the same position as him. I don't happen to think that's the case at all. I think he's a bit of an easy target at the minute. Fine. But if that is the case, in modern football, you can't pull the wool over the manager's eyes. They know whether you're doing the running that you're supposed to because they overanalyse everything. Mm-hmm. So everybody's performance is under a microscope all the time. And if he's not doing the amount of running or closing down or pressing or tracking back that he's supposed to be doing, it will ultimately cost him his place in the team. The fact he's playing at the moment would indicate that the manager doesn't think that. So, you know, there you go. I, 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 I get it. Everybody, I, I get it. But it, it's just too early in the season to be panicking like people are. There's a lot of you know Newcastle last season didn't win a game till December, and then they finished eleventh. It mm. happens. Mm. This is a team that could be sat on nine points with 21 new players having played Tottenham and Manchester City already. Are a mistake with a minute and a half to go at Goodison, which they won't make again, and bad game management second half on, on Saturday from two up.
0: How long, you, you, there is a point where you have to stop. We have to stop saying naive and be more streetwise. It's a cruel league, isn't it? You have to learn that lesson quickly, Greg, don't you?
2: Yeah, it's like McKenna's mistake. McKenna's probably been one of our better players this season, one of our most. You know, ones that you would trust, and that was one error, and it shows. In this league, you make one error, not that much in danger. It's gone straight away, and it's a goal against. So that's all he'll be thinking about this week. And you know, that's what was nice to see. No one was on his back. You know, at least one of the players from last year got a little bit of leeway, and that I suppose that just shows what a good good player he is. Just like they all are. But yeah, we we have just got to you know, take take heed of what's happened and, and move on because we'll dwell on it. And, you know, there's going to be other times you don't get a result at home. If this happens every time, it's going to be a tiresome long season.
0: Mm. And
1: we're well, 30 minutes I in. Great, Go on, you
2: know,
1: as I said this last time I was on, Sport Bible did a thing. Three words to describe your team season. And I put 17th is enough because it is. Mm. People somehow have worked out that Forest are going to finish 12th, 10th. I know people who have had bets on the fact they're going to get in the Europa League. So you then are devastated when you get beat by Bournemouth at home because you've got expectations that are probably too high Mm. for a newly promoted club that hasn't been in the top flight for 23 years and have signed 21 new players. And the ones that they've, they've, they've kept behind, there's a limited number of them. So everything they had last year in terms of togetherness and spirit and all that, they've got to rebuild it because people haven't been here. And there are going to be players that are disappointed they're not playing. So you've got to deal with all of that. But I think if people look at it and go, we've got to stay up this season, and four points at this stage with a group of teams around them, knowing that they're given points away, should really give you the belief that they can be okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I look to if, if Let's say you're a Leeds United fan, you've just got to thump five at Brentford. And by the way, they got properly thumped five at Brentford. The manager's been sent off. Patrick Bamford's not scoring. If you're Leeds now, you're going up. So you're panicking. If you're Leicester, you're thinking, we're just bad. We're just bad. Managers come out and said the owners aren't going to spend any money. The owners have said they're not going to spend any money. Madison wanted to go, possibly. Tielemans wanted to go. They've lost the best defender. There's a lot of teams at the minute looking, thinking, blimey. Frank Lampard, four points, right? Same as Forrest. The crowd there at the weekend. seen the team draw four times they're a bigger club than forest in premier league terms because they've been there longer and they're more established they've got a better group of players but they've got four points there's a lot of teams at the minute that haven't quite got going and there's been freaky results and i think there'll be more due to the nature of the season and you know this is just kind of a case of temper the expectation this is going to be a long difficult winter into the spring Forrest aren't going to just fly away with the league and always be up there and do this. People forget that Brentford stayed up last season, but they got Christian Eriksen in January, a world-class player has now made Man United's midfield significantly better. Now, they were dropping like a stone at that point, but Eriksen, with the quality he got, got them going again. Now, Forrest are hoping that they've got a bit of quality in their team that they've bought, that when that settles down, that team can kick on and be better. But I think it's just about tempering expectations. Don't just automatically think, that you go and spend 150 million quid on 21 players and you're a mid-table Premier League team because you're not. This mm. is the most unforgiving league in the world. 5% off and you don't win. Who would have said that Man City would have gone to Aston Villa Saturday tea time and, and been held to a 1-1 draw? Everybody would have gone, that's an away win on me coupon. They'll get smashed up. Didn't happen. They're slightly off it, not quite where they were, and they don't win. Liverpool start to the season. Slightly off it, Not as good as they can be. They're not winning football matches. Newcastle, everybody's sleeper to be a top six side this season. Can't win. They've got a couple of players out, drawing too many matches. You've only got to be 5% off. And this league will find you out and it'll kill you. It'll chew you up and spit you out. And you can't do anything about it. I said before, whether it's the best league in the world or not, I don't know. But it is the most unforgiving league in the world. And if you're not quite right, you'll lose. And that, that applies to everybody, not
0: just Forrest. And just to add to that about how things can change so quickly, I mean, you know, Man United were absolutely horrendous when they lost to Brentford. And you look at them now, they turned it around. My day job's covering, you know, across the Midlands. Villa were hopeless. And then they play really well against Man City. I do think things can change quickly. Um, We're 32 minutes in, we've not touched on the game. I just want to get into a few specifics, good and bad. Greg, um, I mean, the first goal for Forrest. Good corner from Gibbs White. I think that's been a weakness this season without Garner. So, to see them actually put a decent ball in the box was a positive, wasn't it? Yeah.
2: And I thought k was one of our better players as well. Um, I liked like what Fletch was saying off the ball. He was gesturing and he was shouting. and It, it was noticeable how much he was trying to get things organised. So, yeah, it, that was good to see. Like you say, the crosses, they're going to be invaluable because... We're not going to get many chances, so when we get them, they've got to do well, they've got to get them in there. So yeah, it that, that was definitely a positive. Not just the goal, but Coyote's performance behind that, I thought was it it showed signs of him being a, a valuable player for us. And the
0: second goal, Greg, being in the ground, I, I, VAR, I mean VAR was in the headlines a lot this week, and I think this was the only instant where VAR was a positive with the way Oliver handled it. But that delay,
2: that was internally long, wasn't it, to work out what was happening. So my mate's watching from down in Felixstowe at home and he's telling us it's it's going to be harsh if it is given. I'd want it to be given, but if it is... It, and you're like, how can, they, how can they not do it straight away? I, talk Sport, we're on about it, or, or Five Live, I can't remember which one it was. Um saying 90 seconds, if you can't change the decision or make a decision after 90 seconds, just leave with the original. I think it was four minutes or something in the end. It saps the life out of games. It really does. I understand why it's here, but that is the typical example of why it doesn't work. He's stuck with his original decision anyway. He's wasted four or five minutes of the game. Half the crowd, because it's in the 40 minutes, have gone, sorry, I'm going for a pint. It's just, if the Premier League is in the entertainment business, they've got to sort it out, because it saps the life out of it. And it weren't just in our game this weekend. Everton's game, uh, West Ham against Chelsea—just so many mistakes. I agree. Now it has to be here, but it's got to change. They've got to realise how, how it can how it can be bad.
0: Mm. Mm. You have to give Oliver credit, Fletch, for the way. I mean, I think it's the first time I've seen a ref go over to a monitor and back themselves over the the footage or the guy in his ear.
1: I think I'd probably tell Graham Scott not to bother coming again for <laughs> even telling him to go and check it you know, it has to be a clear and obvious error. Yeah. And it was quite clear from the initial incident that the arms were out. Mm-hmm. So by doing that, you know that it's not a clear and obvious error. Unless it's hit the body, which it hadn't, it's not a clear and obvious error. So you wouldn't change it anyway, would you? So to take that long, and I think what, what kind of does me with the VAR is that invariably the fella in the VAR studio isn't as good a referee as the one that's on the pitch. Mm -hmm. they're trying to tell the the, the fellas on the pitch I mean there were were two or three this weekend that were a boring. I mean it was ridiculous just ruins the game Um, the thing with Michael Oliver is he's the only one so far that's had the guts to say I'm going to stick with what I did he did it last season and he's done it now I'd like to think that that's a bit of a a trend setter that now more referees might kind of say look Uh, but I think the people in the studio have got to be told look unless you think it's a real problem just leave it Mm -hmm. the fans don't What we're consuming now is not what we want to consume. So they've got a problem if if the ticket buyer is unhappy with the product. The Premier League got a problem. So they get a grip of that.
2: The other thing, it was sudden and savage. Actually, on Sunday night, they were saying that on Saturday there was a terrible VAR mistake. The VAR ref was then the VAR ref on the Sunday as well. Like they're not punishing them like they would players, managers, whatever for these mistakes. It, it it is it's borderline ridiculous and it will get to the point again where players fans managers they'll just say you're better off without it Yeah. Mm. well
1: yeah I mean, yeah absolutely i mean just um, yeah i mean just just greg was talking about Czech kiate and i thought he was he was excellent for for 45 minutes on on saturday but there's a case in point of what a player can do compared to another one yeah and if you watch Czech's performance he plays his he plays his game in a very small area. He's not got the range around the pitch that, say, a Lewis O'Brien has. So he's not going to cover as much ground as he does. Checks days are going box to box and all that are probably gone. So it's what you want from that central midfield area. Has he got the range within there to go to where you need him to go? Or is he only ever going to be 55 minutes or an hour and then you've got to change it, put somebody else on? He's a different type. And again, it's just that what do you need in those circumstances? And that's what the manager's got to work out. He's, a, he's an entirely different centre mid to anybody else that they've got. He's got a different skill set. So if he plays, the way he plays that position is different to somebody else. So then it affects the way the team would play that position. Dougie Friedman said to me when he was at Forest, right? He said, the best I ever am, Fletch, in the eyes of the fans, is when I'm sat on the bench. He said, the minute I play... They can't stand me and they want me out. And when I'm sat on the bench, I'm the most popular fella in the room because everybody thinks I'm going to come on and score. He said, it's just it's just the mindset of the supporters. You're popular one minute and you're not the next, depending on circumstances. And people are calling for Remo Froley to play. Fantastic when he's got the ball. But when he came on against Tottenham, you could see straight away that he wants the whole game to go through him. He wants to give you the ball. He wants it back again. You give it him, he wants it back again. He wants to keep doing that. The team have got to learn that. And then what, wasn't it, wasn't it Freuler that got shouldered off the ball by Richarlison for the second goal? Was that Freuler?
0: Uh, it might have been Williams, I'm not sure. Yeah.
1: yeah. I I, 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 when I saw it, I thought it was him.
0: Hmm.
1: And I thought the, physic, the physical nature of it is something that is different to Serie A. It's a quicker game. It's physically more challenging so maybe someone like him just needs to come here for a little while and get to understand what it is before you go and say, well, you've got to play every week in central midfield against the calibre of player you're going to do it against. It's a different game. That might take a little bit of time to integrate him into the group because what you don't want to do is get a player like that and then physically you get swallowed up by it. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of challenges for, for, the, for, for what they've got in there because they're all different. The one thing I would have liked to have seen, and I, I, you know, I just think if they were the, the, the one area, and they tried to get batch Y on deadline day, so they quite clearly think they want another number nine. So you'd expect in January that they try and address that. The one area I think where they need to be better is they need more pace at centre back, speed. They're so quick at the top end of the pitch. And if you've not got pace, you play deep, and then all of a sudden there's a big gap from back to front, and it's hard to get out, and it, it sets its own problems. And just look at that and think when you've signed 21 players, one of the players you've signed is a centre back with pace near Kate, quick. I think you probably needed another one of them. If I could, if I was saying analyzing that transfer window, I think they've got a lot of players that are really good and it'll work out. But I just think that having pace at centre-back is essential in the Premier League. And I just think we're, without him, we lack a yard of pace. Now, I know they can't foresee the fact he was going to get injured and be out for so long, but I just think that's one area that they slightly neglected.
0: I think Bardi's meant to be quick, isn't he? But he's, he's quite rangy. But again, oh, he's you're taking a punt on a player who's had yeah, one good season.
1: He's a hell of a step up from where he's been to where he's going to be. I mean, he's, you know, all of a sudden, he's got to go and run with with Holland and with... Kane and with people like that you know the best strikers in the world now he's, he's mm. gone from playing at Rands where didn't play a great deal this season was injured a lot last season it's a big step for him yeah uh, I, know, I know other players have done it but if, if, you, if you're gonna have the kind of window that they've had you might just have felt that they could have gone and found another another centre-back of a certain style
2: you know, mm. Willie
1: Bobby's a good player Premier League fine the lads are what they are who are in there now but, but Moussa near Cassie is the one that's just got that little bit extra, the, the extra gear to be able to run with the centre forward. And he's got the strength to deal with it when he gets there. He's more of the complete package. I just look at that at the moment and think if, if there's one hole for me in the squad, it's just that pace, that top end, top end, but that, that, that genuine Premier League quality centre back. I think mm. I, I, on a, my own personal view.
0: Yeah. I do. I think you need to make a decision on Steve Cook. You know, you've, that you played him, you left him out to play Kuyate, you brought him back in, you probably have to stick with him now or you have to play Willy Bolly. Whereas, I mean, the Willy Bolly signing confused me a bit. I think if you, you've got to play him now if you're going to sign yeah. him and give him an opportunity. I think it's weird. If Barday needs time and then, like Greg said, hopefully Nia Kata is not a million miles away. I think Richards is a bit longer really, but Nia mm. and Mangala is a big miss as well. Yeah. I'd
1: also say though, Matt, on that, you know, when you, you kind of look at how they play, they're almost they almost have to play with a back three now, don't they, based on... Person. Yeah, I've,
0: I've said that, yeah, yeah. If you
1: go now to a, to, to, to two central defenders, you, you've you got to go 1v1 one one a lot more and, and cover mm. a bit more...
0: And you've got well, very attacking wing-backs who aren't really full-backs. Yeah, as well.
1: so you're almost, you're almost limited now. I said to someone the other day, if you look at Steve playing the three that he's playing at the moment, Lingard, Gibbs, White and Johnson, if you were then going to play them with one ahead, you've then got to go to a back four. Mm. it's it in you can't really do it otherwise because you're too short in midfield so yeah yeah you you, almost, you you are restricted I think to what you can do based on who's there.
0: but they are incredibly open I mean uh, this was before the Bournemouth game they would given up the most shots on goal the most big chances I don't know how much talk you take in XG but they had the worst Xg against in the league bar Leicester, I think. Do you, are you a bit worried, Greg? Watching game, I mean, it got away from them on Saturday, second half, didn't it? When Bournemouth made a tactical change.
2: Yeah, it did, and we didn't really change to to match that, did we? Which surprised yeah, me. Yeah, well, that's how
0: I thought Cooper. I would say, but anyway, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, yeah
2: I, I do think, though, Cooper. You know, it was it was refreshing, and it was nice. Well, <laughs> not, not nice, but it was it was welcoming to hear that he said it begins with him, and he's going to be thinking this week about about what happened, and regarding like where we go from the future Mangala near Carter, right round the corner two of the most exciting players from you know preseason Mangala starting the, the couple of games this season that's a massive bit of hope for us it really is Ma- Mangala especially he can control that area in it i think it's going to be crucial for us
1: yeah and also you know you know when you roll the numbers out about most chances created against and all that don't forget they were at the Etihad in the midweek. Yeah. And a lot of teams haven't been there. So you're you automatically going to get loads of chances created against you as a newly promoted team. So when you look at those statistics, a lot of that will be based on what happened to them in one match over 90 minutes at the Etihad for those numbers. I and the Newcastle are, game. 20-odd shots at Newcastle. Yeah, we
2: had, we had the best Newcastle team. I couldn't, yeah. they, other than Man City, Newcastle were the best team I've seen as players. I've been to every game. Yeah, And then they've just, like, not fell off a cliff, but they? <laughs> they haven't pushed on Greg, from that. I was Greg, telling you know everyone they're, they're going to be a top-four team.
1: Greg, do you know what they've done? They've now played matches without Bruno Guimaraes, Callum Wilson and Alan saint Maximan. Yeah. So as good as they were against Forest, they've got to be full-bore to be that good. And this is the point I'm trying to make, that Forest have talented players too, but they don't know yet what the best team is. And they're not going to, are they? But if you take those players out of newcastle they become an ordinary premier league side when you put them back in they're excellent and it, 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 it's that fine margin That's, you're only dealing with fine margins you're not mm-hmm. dealing with great gaping gaps could have won at everton should have won saturday nine points it's not a it's not a massive gap yes there are issues but a lot of teams in the league have got issues forest have got talent and when they work out what the right blend is, they've got enough match winners in the group to win games and create chances. Mm. They just don't know at this stage what the best side is. And how are you supposed to? I, 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 I can't comprehend anybody who feels at the moment that, that Steve Cooper should know what his best 11 is and his best formation is. Because players have been coming in all the time. You've now got to go, right, go on. In an ideal world, you'd be starting pre-season now and you'd use the pre-season to work it out. Due to the nature of the transfer window, you can't do that. That's why managers want the window closed before the first game starts. Because they want to be able to know what they've got so they can have some idea of what they're going to pick moving forward. East had to start the season, integrate people, try this. And the schedule has been quite busy when you factor in the League Cup as well as the, the Premier League Midweek match that they've had. There's not been a great deal of time to get the players in to work with them. This is the first week, really, where he's got knowledge of the issues, all his players in at the same time, and then time to go and work on what the solution is. This is his week. Now, if they go next week to Leeds and the issues are still there, and you look at it and say, well, they're not really any better than second half against Bournemouth, then I think you can start to question it. If you if the same team gets picked and they play the same way, then you can ask questions about it. But does anybody really think that's going to be the case? Or do we think they'll go to Leeds a week today with probably a different starting eleven, a more unified group who have been working together for a week, and you would expect at that stage to start to see the improvement, would you not?
0: Yeah, I do think that that's really
1: if he's as good a coach and manager as people think he is. And I think he
0: is. That Leeds game is a really tough one as well. Because like no, you say, they're smarting from that point. That. And,
1: Matt, well, old. they are,
0: but Leeds play that way. They are going to press the life out of Forrest. And it's a yeah, real they're challenge tough. for them. So, they're, they're,
1: they're all tough. Fulham stuff on the Friday after that. All hmm. of them. You know what? You know, last year, you could be in the championship and you could have a stinker. And then yeah. you look at the fixture list and you go, we've got Peterborough at home on Wednesday. We'll be all right. And then Barnsley. We're all right. You don't get that anymore. You go from one difficult game to another, to another. There's no weeks off ever mm. in this mm. league. You can't, I think- you can't pull yourself back by having a run of fixtures. that's easy. People have convinced themselves that this is the sequence of games where they're going to get enough points to stay in the Premier League. And then when, it's, when it gets off to a bad start, everybody's petrified about it. Understandably, because we care. Everybody cares. All the people who are saying negative things about them at the minute care. Otherwise, they wouldn't be saying anything. So they care. It was a good thing. But there is no respite in the Premier League ever. And once we get through this period, there'll be another one and another one and another one. And by the time we get to May, you keep your fingers crossed, you're in 17th place or better. That's all you can do as a newly promoted
2: team.
0: Mm. Go on, Greg, what were you going to say?
2: Uh, Leeds and their fans are one bad half away from turning. They are. And and it's like, why? I really think we'll go to that game forgetting everything about this weekend, all the bad stuff. And we'll go to it I'd snap your hand off for a draw now. Of course I would. But we get a good first half against them. And it, it could. It could turn things around completely for us. It could.
1: It could. And and then you get Fulham coming on the Friday, under the lights. It's going to be a great atmosphere. The fans are going to be there. Sell out. Everybody's going to be singing. And, and you know, Forrest have got the confidence that they can beat Fulham because they beat them last season on their own pitch. So... They're, they're, all of these, most of these games are winnable. All of the games in the Premier League, you can lose because it's just that kind of division. You've got to be five percent off. You're going to get beat or you're going to draw. Whether you're Liverpool, Manchester City, or Forest, because we've seen it already this season. The ones that are slightly off it that day don't win. You can't, you can't fluke it in the Premier League because the standard is so high and it's getting higher all the time, all mm. the
0: time. Mm. And just to finish, because we're fifty minutes in, we haven't mentioned the Bournemouth goals. We would just touch on them. I mean, Fletch, Fletch mentioned there about the championship, and you get away with it. I mean, ninety-nine times out of a hundred, Philip Billing doesn't ping one in the top corner, but Jesse Lingard probably should be a bit stronger there. Greg, he's been brushed off a bit easily. It was a
2: it was a game changer, wasn't it? It was one of those shots where the old crowd went silent until it hit the back of the net, and yeah, I, I, it was weird because after the game in the pub, we have got one bloke saying how great Lingard is off the ball. And then I personally thought he, he just didn't seem that energised at the weekend. And, you know, is he one of the players maybe that you, you give a rest to again and bring someone else in? I'm not sure, but it was a wonder strike and it changed the momentum completely. And they just went on and it, it, you could see the defeat coming. You really could. The whole momentum, the way they played that second off, wave after wave. And it it was it was going to happen. You saw it. And it, it did have that feel of the Sheffield United playoff game, which mm. obviously uh, had a different outcome in the end.
0: Mm. Um, second goal, Yates is off the pitch. We see the importance of Yates. The corner before, he's the one heading it away. But you've still got to be a bit better there and probably, I don't know, corners are always annoying to concede from. And then the third goal, if it's not 2-2 and you're not under pressure, McKenna boots that in the stand. Mm. And everyone yeah. Gets, yeah, but under pressure, you've made a gaff there. So, I mean, you can't take goals out. You can't, you know, make go go blah, 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 write them all out because you've got to do better. But there was stuff behind each one. And that's why I think Forrest have got to sharpen up and not be naive again. I hate that word, but I feel that's where we
2: were on Saturday a bit. It's one of those cruel moments. So why is Yates off the pitch in such an attacking time? Why is the ref making him go off the pitch? I've always thought it's a cruel rule. At the time, I thought it was a head injury where you, you don't have to go off, do you? But it was just, blooming bad luck and bad timing that was it really was
0: yeah yeah what about last one before we give any other business Colback coming on as first sub it's a bit unfortunate on Jack it's symptomatic of you know they want Fletch coming back to you and Remo Freuler the fans want the shiny new object don't they and they don't like Colback and they think Cooper's got it wrong there maybe he did I don't know what do you think uh, me I, <laughs> I, it, I, I
2: yeah I, I wasn't that excited about Colback coming on. He didn't do anything wrong, though. He didn't have a bad whatever it was last 25 minutes. Mm. Uh, but I'd have preferred to see one of the newer players give us a bit of a lift and a bit more hope, of course. And we did lose the game, so of course I'd have preferred someone else. Now, they might have done something a little bit different, but he certainly didn't have a bad game when he came on. Mm. Uh, it just shows the potential we have got other than the players from last season, as well, like I said earlier,
0: yeah true true right we've gone through everything we should leave it there as usual I'll give you a final word if there's anything you want to add Fletch anything you want to add on what you've said already no I think
1: I've probably said far too much already I'm probably getting (laughs) batted on the comments but that's just what I think think (laughs) people just need to take it for what it is just just settle down a little bit let the team take shape if in a month or six weeks time we're still having the same conversation then it's valid because by then you should be starting to see um, the best forest. But let's not forget here, they play 16 games in the Premier League before the World Cup break and 22 after. And I don't think you'll see the best version of forest until after that break, where the players will go away, warm weather training, pre season again, everybody's together. And I think by the time they restart on Boxing Day at Old Trafford, They've got. They then got 22 games to play. You'll see the best Forest in the second half of the season, and I think there just needs to be a bit of patience all the way across the board, while the people that are good at their jobs in there, i.e., Steve Cooper, Alan Tate, Andy Reid, etc., go and work out what the best Forest eleven looks like, the best way for Forest to attack these games looks like, and then at that stage, I think we can all make a more measured judgment on whether they're going to be able to stay up or not. I think that the fact that people are diving in early and panicking is is, is not necessary because I just think this is a work in progress. You've signed good players and you've just now got let it work itself out and be patient while it does and ultimately judge them when you think manager, player, coaching staff have had enough time to get everything sorted out. And at that stage, judge them, but not not yet.
0: Greg, anything you
2: want to add? Perfect way to look at it. Sixteen games, you know. <laughs> if we can get through them and slowly improve, twenty-two games after. There's so many points there, and of course, we're going to add it at Christmas. Of course, we are. We're going to we're going to be in that transfer market. Hopefully, not twenty-one players, but we'll, we will be there or thereabouts. So keep in the mix. He's not twenty-one until, players. Keep in that. the mix until uh, until Christmas. Even if we're just outside that relegation zone, picking up three points at home, getting the odd draw away, we'll be fine. There's still so many positives to take from this season so far.
0: Agree, agree. It's like I said at the weekend, you go back to the start of every season and fans will say, and you, you've you said it, Greg, as well on here, when times get tough, and they will, we have to stick together. And now mm. the times pay back that sentiment. And I don't even think they're that tough yet, as we've discussed for 55 minutes. is One half has really skewed... The, the perception. So let's see how they do at Leeds. Let's see how they do against Fulham. It's going to be really interesting, but. I'm certainly backing Steve Cooper and the Reds. Thanks to everyone who's uh, commented. Too many to read. Must be over 300 comments, which is definitely a record. So hopefully uh, the debate's been cordial because I'm not been able to follow it along. And if you disagree with us, that's fine. There's a lot of Team Fletch comments. So if you agree with Fletch, that's great. (laughs) It does say Team Fletch a lot. I mean, thank you, thank you. Yeah, let's
1: Let's stick together because if they do stay up at the end of the year by the skin of their teeth or whatever it is. We are all then going to go, isn't this brilliant? Can't wait for next season. And then on we go again. This is the beauty of being a football supporter. And it's only because we all care so much. It's why we're having the the, the conversation that we're having at this stage. And it's why I think the Forest fan base is so special. Because people care that much at this stage. Care that much now. That shows what it means to the city, what it means to everybody. I think it's it's brilliant. I didn't.
2: I didn't leave because there was no team Greg there. I don't know what happened. But, but, uh, also, Fletch, thanks for the uh, off-air pep talk as well. That got that got me going. So I uh, appreciate <laughs> you yeah. that. Yeah, brilliant. I've got to look after you today, Greg. <laughs> there
0: there is I a comment.
1: Like this. Be brave, friend. be brave. <laughs>
0: Well, there is a comment from Steve Allen saying Team Laws, which is your wife. Right? Oh, God. <laughs>
1: oh, there you, go. there you go. You get associated with that one more doesn't today. There's yeah.
0: probably be a comment when you get off, off this, flex, So You've been there for an hour. Why am you taking the bins out? <laughs> no one gets away scot free. Right. We'll leave it there. We'll be back um, on Thursday or Friday, I think, speaking to David Marples, who's a Forest fan and author who's got a book out, and we'll look ahead. So the Leeds game, but the book's about Forest and Derby and that rivalry, I think. So that should be interesting. In the meantime, thanks very much to everyone who has watched along and, as I say, commented. If you like it, do subscribe. Do give us a good rating, etc., etc. Fletch, thank you very much as ever. Thank you. And Greg, thank you very much. No, I enjoyed that. Good therapy it was. Hopefully so. Hopefully <laughs> so for everyone. And we shall see you all soon.